He sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the Word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward Mills. There are few women of God that are thrown into training camps to train ministers, pastors, and give them instructions. This woman is a trainer. She's a mentor to many, um, a teacher of the word of God, a mother. And I want you to stand to your feet and help me welcome, above all these descriptions, my good friend, Lady Reverend Adelaide Howard Mills. Gracious introduction by Reverend Eastwood of a vessel of clay. I want you to give a resounding applause to Jesus, who is the reason why we are here. Give it to him. Celebrate him. It is not just a cliche. Give God the glory. Hallelujah. Everything that has breath, put your hands together and let Jesus. Let Jesus be magnified. Shall we pray? Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh.
Father, unto you shall the gathering of the people be. Thank you for Hephzibah 120. And thank you that we have gathered at your feet. Father, I pray that the words that I speak to your people, they shall be spirit and life. I pray that I will speak as of the oracles of God and I will speak your heart. Lord, let this word fall on good soil and let it lead and yield much fruit to the glory of your name. Thank you for the privilege of being a vessel of clay that you have chosen to use this morning. Let the will of the Father be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Please take your seats. Praise the Lord. It's a privilege and an honor to be here. And like Reverend Sylvia Sari said, it's a privilege and an honor because God could have chosen any vessel of all the people in Ghana. So we are humbled and I am humbled by the fact that God has put me on the program today. Amen. I also want to celebrate Reverend Eastwood and his wife for such a vision. They didn't need to be here and they didn't need to think about us and least of all to think about us women but he has consistently gathered women at Hefzibah 120 and has not given up some of you would have given up after day one because often the people who need the meetings the most are the ones who don't show up it's so amazing it's almost like it's an attack and yet they have consistently come to Accra, which by the way is not their home, and have continued to champion the cause of women. There's a lot of affirmative action, gender balance, whatever in the world. But in the church world, we thank God for Hefzibah 120. Amen. I also want to thank my husband, the bishop, under whose covering I stand for making it possible and releasing me for me to be here and for also training me in ministry he sends all his love he's in Zimbabwe preaching the gospel I always tell you when you hear the countries pray for his wife and ask for more grace for her in Jesus name Amen uh, my, my assignment this morning is it still morning this morning is to speak on encounters with God. It's a very, very broad topic. And as much as it gives a lot of latitude, it makes you also want to hear from God on what exactly he had in mind and what the Holy Spirit is leading for us to talk about. Amen. Encounters with God. Now, what is an encounter? The dictionary defines an encounter sometimes as an accidental, unintended meeting. An encounter can also be just a meeting that you met God. And often in the Bible, it seems that encounters with God is not just a casual meeting. It is often a casual meeting from man's perspective. But from God's perspective, often God is on schedule. 
When you look at somebody's life like Naomi, the Bible says that a famine came to Bethlehem. And then they heard that there was food in Moab. So her husband took her to Moab. And there she lost her husband and she lost her two children. And it seemed as if everything was over. And then she heard that God had provided bread in Bethlehem. So based on bread and stomach needs, perhaps, she decided to leave Moab. After all, all that she came there for was of no avail. And to journey back to the place where bread had come. But God had a destiny for her in sending her back. But she as a human being, her motive was bread has appeared and I'm going. And many of us are like that. So many things that we think are natural are actually supernatural. Yes, it is natural. But there's a super to it that makes it supernatural. Why do I say that Naomi's journey was supernatural? Because when she got there, God had a purpose which would link up even to the coming of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And to provide a lineage from the, 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 the kingly um, lineage of David up to that place. But for Naomi, it was just, I'm going. And then, God has it scheduled, but you don't. Amen. For somebody like Jacob, the mother said to him, you know how we have deceived your father Isaac and how Esau is angry to murder you and all that. I think that you must take a hike and take a journey and go to my brother Laban. And I'm sure that you can hide there till Esau's um, anger is abated. But on the way, he falls asleep and he takes a stone and he falls asleep on the stone. And then he has an encounter. The heavens open. There's a ladder. Angels are ascending and descending. And he wakes up and he says that God was in this place. And I knew it not. So many times, encounters with God are encounters we are not so aware of. Or we don't have the big picture. But God has the big picture. So when he woke up, he took the stone. He poured oil and then he said, if you would take me back and bring me back again, I will serve you in this place. And of everything that you give me, I will give you back a tenth. At that time, he had nothing, not even a stone. I mean, all of us may have gone through levels of poverty, but for your pillow to be a stone is often not the case. But God had an agenda, which you and I often think that Oh, the world will call it coincidence. Or oh, it just happened, but it was a real encounter with the divine. Amen, somebody. Amen. Sometimes we encounter God because of the distresses in our lives. When you read Matthew 15, the Syrophoenician woman, she came out of the coast of Tyre and Sidon, Jesus said, the Bible said. And she was looking for Jesus. And when she saw Jesus, have mercy on me, oh God, for my daughter is vexed with an evil spirit. She came looking for Jesus. 
So another way of encountering God is not always that God was there and you didn't know. But out of our pain, our distresses, sometimes parental distresses like this woman, we are looking for answers. And it forces us to have an encounter with God. Some of us, we have some of our problems and today we are seated in a charismatic setting only because of the problems God allowed to come our way. Otherwise, we will be very stuck up, nose in the air, and say, do you associate with those people? Like a famous MD in Accra asked one of my church members who was his PA, are you also one of those people, a nice, educated woman like you, so polished, you speak in tongues? How can that be? And some of us, if we had not had a distressing situation, we would never have known God or even sought him or gone after him. It would have been the last thing. You would have been saying, oh, these charismatic churches, they are filled with desperate women who, you know, they are just looking for answers, but they don't really. But because you came to that situation that nothing could help you, you, ha- you were forced to have an encounter with God. Amen? When you look at Hannah, she had encounters because every year she went to Shiloh. But it was a shallow encounter. Encounters are on different levels. So sometimes we know God, we are born again, but the encounter itself can be at another level. She was always going to the temple every year. And Elkanah was always giving her a worthy portion. But Penina, who she lived in the home with, was always tormenting her. The Bible Bible says that she provoked her soul. So to a point that this time, her encounter was not a casual encounter at Shiloh, but she was so at the end of her rope that she just said, this time I am going to encounter God at Shiloh. It's not going to be the usual coming to Hephzibah. It's not going to be the usual just going to Shiloh. Now I have been pushed to my limit. And the only one I can call on is God. And when she comes into the temple, the Bible says she's filled with so much sorrow, so much whatever that her lips moved, but her words could not be heard. So much so that the high priest said, you are drunk. So sometimes the level of encounter that you need with God can make others, even anointed people, define you differently that you are drunk. Something, something. You are not together. And thank God that Hannah did not react. Some of us would have said, you are a man of God. You are supposed to descend. How can you say that I'm drunk? Because of that, I've left the church. But Hannah knew that an encounter with God was greater than comments from people around. Sometimes the encounter will not even be understood. Like Hannah's own. Hannah said, I'm not a daughter of Belial. But out of the abundance of my sorrow, my pain, that is what is making me behave like this. So often, adversity will drive you. And 
The Bible says that they that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, shall suffer things in this world, but it's not part of our theology. And often, we encounter God better in difficult situations. In fact, the type of messages and the type of comfort and the type of revelations I've had in my work with God have been at difficult and painful times more than in happy situations. And then when you walk on that road and then you have the privilege of sharing with us, oh, you are very deep, you are very anointed. It is because the affliction gave a certain level of encounter which has changed you completely. So there's intentional encounters and unintentional. Like Paul of Tarsus, maybe you are going to do something bad. Like Paul. Saul who became Paul. You are on the road to Damascus. You have very bad intentions to go and bring believers as prisoners to Jerusalem. You have taken it upon yourself. But as you are going, you are an unbeliever. So it's not only children of God who encounter God. It's people who are even on a wrong mission. People who are even in opposition and are doing their best in opposition. God still makes them have an encounter with them. So when this happened, Saul was with a lot of people. And the Bible says in Acts 9 that a great light shone. The people they heard a voice, but they did not see what saw, Paul saw. Because encounters are on different levels. So, you may be with people, but when you encounter God, it is often a one-on-one -on -one affair. Most divine encounters are personal. Even if you are in a crowd. In the book of Daniel, Daniel was praying. And God brought him a vision. And the Bible says the people around him, they even went, ran away and went to hide. And they couldn't even hear what Daniel was hearing. Because God had a personal encounter with Daniel and was talking to him. And everybody else was around, but they didn't know what was going on. Amen? So encounters can be, it's God who took the initiative. Encounters with God. Another way will be you out of affliction, out of pain, out of looking for something needed to engage with God. And that gave you a divine encounter that you will never forget and that also unfolds God's plan for our lives. Amen. Now most encounters with God are personal. Even if you are in a large church, you are in a large group, it is often personal. When he called Moses in Exodus 34, he said, come up to the mountain alone and see to it that no man is with you, not even an animal. You alone. Because knowing God, first of all, starts on a personal level. Now, in most charismatic settings now, knowing God is a crowd thing. Knowing God is attending good meetings, which is good. Knowing God is attending prophetic meetings.
to receive a prophecy for yourself. It is good. All the supernatural and all that, it is good. But most deep encounters start on a personal level. Come with me to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Verse 31. 1 to 30, if we can read it, and then we'll go on from there. Amen? I decided to take just one person and look at her encounter with God. Amen. Let's read from verse 2. Although Jesus himself did not baptize but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. That's not the version I want. King James. And he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sichar near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. That's about 12 noon. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman said unto him, Say, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Are thou greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well? Amen. The Bible says Jesus left Judea and departed unto Galilee. But he must needs go through Samaria. He was not going to Samaria for his own benefit. He was not going to Samaria because he had something to prove to the Samaritans. He needed to go to Samaria so that one woman could have an encounter with him. God schedules his encounters with us. And if it is necessary for him to even divert his journey and go through enemy territory, he will do it so that he can meet just one woman. We may not be important, sometimes even in your home, like Reverend Eastwood was saying, you are not even respected in your home. You are spoken to anyhow. You are spoken to in front of employees. You are spoken to anyhow in front of children. You are spoken to anyhow in front of anybody. Nobody celebrates you like Reverend Sylvia was preaching. But as for Jesus, he will make his journey pass through the place where you are not supposed to even 
fellowship with that type of person. You are not supposed... He will break racial barriers. He will break gender barriers. He will break whatever barriers, the stereotype, just to make an appointment with one person. Most of the time, we are interested in crowds. And we don't think personally that God will schedule an encounter with one woman. We don't believe it. The Bible says Jesus was weary because he came in the form of man. And he was sitting on the well. When the woman came at 12 noon, Bible scholars say that this woman must have been an outsider, an ostracized woman, because women often went for water in groups. But she came alone. And when we read further and we see her reputation, we understand, because most women don't like women that many men like. Amen, somebody? It's like only you. You have had five men. You must be some way. And women will ostracize you. Yesterday at the election, they were saying that most of the white women voted against Hillary Clinton. When my mom called me and said, you see women, women don't support women. And women are the ones who will bring out a woman's faults more. I said, really, it's a revelation. But that was her comment about the election. That women don't support women. But Jesus said, you are a priority. And you are my program. Just so that I can have an encounter with you. Amen. And when he asked the woman, give me to drink. Instead of her saying, okay, um, you are thirsty. I just have a bucket, will it do, maybe a pot, whatever. She starts to go into 32 reasons why you and I cannot relate. And you and I have 44 reasons why God will not choose you. 44 reasons why God cannot use you. 46 reasons why you cannot encounter Jesus. 47 reasons why when some people are being called, you will never be amongst them. But God looks above all these things and chooses us for his purpose. Hallelujah. So how is it that you who you are a Samaritan, you are, you, you, me that I'm a Samaritan, you a Jew, you are talking to me because Jews and Samaritans don't have anything in common. I believe that the woman felt that Jesus was one of her usual uh, rappers. People who give her raps. The usual men who are attracted to her. So she was thinking that he's using it as a line to, you know, really like how Reverend Bobasari saw his wife and then used the line to teach her how to play guitar. So she thought that Jesus was using a similar line. Just how is it that you who are a Jew, many times when God wants to encounter us, we have a lot of things and barriers that we create so that the encounter cannot come on. Amen? And I always say that because women use a lot of makeup. You see, women use concealer. What does a concealer do? It covers. Women wear many things under their clothes. Women wear borrowed hair. I just came from the Philippines, I would tell you. I was with one of my assistants. 
Everywhere we went, from the airport to the... Oh, your hair is lovely. Oh, can we touch it? Oh, to the point that when we got to the church, the next day I went to the church with my husband, the next uh, program, it was a program, so the second day of a program. Then the head pastor came and said, (laughs) he's an American missionary who has lived in the Philippines for 30-something years. And he said, oh, ah, my lady say I should ask you one question. I said, that what? That's your hair. It's very nice to them, but they want to know. Is it extensions? Is it your hair? Is it whatever? I said, it's borrowed hair. Borrowed. <laughs> but, because we are used to so much makeup, when we come to God too, we put on a lot of makeup. Concealer, foundation, uh, uh, blush, uh, false eyelashes, false nails, false hair, false everything. So many barriers. And we are not real with the person that we are encountering. But from today, we are going to be real. Amen, ladies. How is it that you, you are a Samaritan and then you are asking me to give you water? And Jesus said, look, if you even knew who was asking you for this water, and if you knew God's gifts, what God is doing in your life and for you, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Then she turns attention from herself to Jesus that how can you give me water? Do, do you have anything to fetch with? And also, the well is very deep. So she is not paying attention to what Jesus is saying. And sometimes we delay God's objective for encountering us because we have so many impediments, so many reasonings, so many things that we put in the way. So now we start to find fault with the God who is trying to encounter us. He said, oh, do you have something to fetch with? So now she's telling Jesus, you, Jesus, you also have problems. You, Jesus, you also have deficiencies. As you are saying, you give me water. You don't even have anything to fetch with. Besides, the well is also very deep. So what are you talking about? And thank God that he doesn't give up on us. Because if it were some of us, we'd say, you know, find your way, I'll find mine. But Jesus pressed on. Amen. And then the woman asked again, Are thou greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank thereof himself, his children and his cattle? Religious spirit. You say Jacob is your father, you have no spiritual connection to him. And the church is like that. We have a lot of spiritual cliches. A lot of things we use to cover things so that in God wanting to encounter us properly or give us an encounter with him, there's too much fabric in between. Are you greater than Jacob? Arguments that will not make your work with God deep. That is what you are talking about. 
Oh, the churches these days, they are too this. The churches these days, they are too that. That may be true, but you have concentrated so much on that that you yourself, you don't have a personal relationship with God. And instead of looking at that, you are looking at how your forefathers worshipped God, our father Jacob. Are you greater than our father Jacob? But meanwhile, this Jacob, you don't have any dealings with him. Amen. Next verse. 13. 13. Okay, let me go back to my. Are we there? Jesus answered unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I, I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Say, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus said unto her, Go, call thy husband, and come thither. Instead of allowing the Holy Ghost to deal with us with issues in our own lives, we are busy finger pointing and we are busy looking at other things so that we don't have to shine the light on ourselves. So she moves from Samaritan asking me for water to you don't have anything to draw to our father Jacob, are you greater than him? To that Jesus says, I can give you water that will help you. Give me this water so that one, I won't thirst again. And then two, I'm tired of coming for water all the time. And then Jesus confronts and says, go call thy husband. But what is helping this woman is her answer. She says, I don't have a husband. Many people would not have spoken the truth. Many people would not have said the state in which they were. Many people refuse to even share where God has brought them from. Many women are less merciful to people who are like them now, how they were. Less merciful. I said, I mean, what are they doing? These young people, they are, they, 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 I'm not saying we shouldn't correct but I'm saying that sometimes the way we condemn as if we haven't been sinners before. And as if we have not walked a certain road before. And as if it is not grace that kept us. Some of us did not encounter certain temptations. That is why we married as virgins. Not because we were so good. But certain temptations did not come your way. And so this woman, Jesus said to her, go and call your husband. And the woman says, I don't have a husband. For our encounter with God to be real and for God to be able to deal with us, we need to speak the truth. You know, when you go to God, it says, uh, uh, which faith you promise to swear on this, uh, that I will speak the truth. And they don't just say the truth, the whole truth. You know why? Because so many of us never speak the whole truth. The whole truth. And then we add, and nothing but the truth. Because it's the truth that sets free. 
So when you have jealousy, envy, and you say, oh, it's not that. When you have inordinate affection, and you say, oh, it's not that. When you see the person, I should show and say, you say, I mean, I don't have anything against it. You are lying against the truth. And that level of encounter that God has to have with you is not working. You see, many years ago, when I had to come full time, then I was telling God, I knew that God had called me. And I thank God that my husband gave me time and space to come to it myself. But I, I, I often wondered that when, as to the when. So I was working as an attorney, and it was good. And then I felt there was time to come into full-time ministry. And every time I'll go and pray, I'll say, God, you know, my problem is not with you. As for you, you are very understanding, but it's the people. You see these people, if I respond to the call and I wear my shoes, they'll say it's from the offering. When I wear my dress, they'll say it's from the offering. In my closet, I was talking to God about all this, and that was keeping me. And I said, God, do you know something? They are going to say that it's even because of the church that I travel. But you, God, you know that my father has taken me all over the world before I even married this man. And God, you know where I'm coming from. You know that as for need, I've not had a need. So, in fact, it's not you, it's the people. Then I was, as I was in the closet, on one of the occasions, and I'll be crying oh, to respond to God's call. I'll be crying. As I'm coming, you see, then my boss called me and said, hey, I hear you are considering uh, resigning, but I want you to know that if it's that thing that your husband is doing, that you are, that thing, you know, not the ministry, that thing, that your husband is doing, that you are going to follow. People say, me catch you, say, ben ma, men change. And if you put your whole future, your career, into what a man is doing, you, you don't know how it will work out. So as she told me this, and I was, I was crying, God, as for your work, I want to do it. As for the call, I know. But the people, and what they will say. Then the Holy Spirit said to me, it's not the people, it's not all, it's pride. I said, me? Everybody in the church knows how humble I am, God. How can you say I'm proud? And God said, because of the things you are saying. Does everybody knows my background? Lord, you know my background. You know what my father is. You know who I am. You know, I was shocked. But God used that to set me free. And I came to the place where I said, God, it doesn't matter whether my dress is from the offering or whether it's from fundraising or whether whatever. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But it began with telling the truth. And the truth can be painful. So when God shows us things in our lives, we usually gloss over it. We put concealer. We put false eyelashes. We put this thick foundation. We put mark uh, uh, mineralized whatever over it. We put false eyelashes. And we say, God, it's not really so. But for the encounter with God to be deep and for God to be able to do what he wants to do. The Bible says in the book of James, if there be bitter envy and jealousy in you, lie not against the truth. Sometimes the truth is coming. Say, 
It's not the truth. The truth is only what is pleasant. No. The truth is also unpleasant things. And I'm standing here today because by the grace of God, I allowed the Holy Spirit to deal with that thing. But I never knew that pride could be associated because even my church members always say, you are so humble, you are so gracious. That was what men were saying. But in my closet, that is not what God was saying. And God wanted to move me to another level. So this woman said, yes, it's true. I, I, I don't have any husband. But she ended it there. So half-truth does not make our work with God progress. So Jesus has to say, thou hast said truly because you have had five and the current one you are shocking with in that place is not your husband. It's not your husband. But she could have volunteered to say, what you are saying is true, I don't have a husband. But you know, I've had five husbands and that she must have been a very attractive woman. To have five men marry you and no wonder why you left number three or number four. And then she says, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. I believe that women have a strong spirit of perception. The Shunammite woman said to the husband, I perceive that Elijah is a man of God, a holy man of God. Therefore, let us build an upper room and I'll put a, a, a table, I'll put a lamp, I'll put a bed. That's what we need in the body of Christ now. Anticipated needs. If you have called into the health ministry, it's just a diversion, but anticipated needs. But most people cannot help men and women of God because everything they have to tell you before you do it. You can't anticipate their needs. But the Shunammite woman, she could anticipate the needs. Elijah didn't say, I'll need a bed. I'll need a... She just said that he studies. He'll need a lamp. He'll need a table. He'll need a stool. He'll need a bed. He'll... When David was in the wilderness and the man came to him to minister, he brought beds, basins, raisins. This, because he knew that in the wilderness he would not have a bed. So it's not every time the man or woman of God has to tell you all her needs before you will help her. Then you are not a help. You are a burden. Amen. But the Shunammite woman said, I perceive that thou art, that he's a holy man of God. And this woman said, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Women perceive a lot of things. But how to handle the perception also becomes a problem. Because sometimes we join our emotions to it and then it takes us to another excursion that we didn't mean to. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. And ye say that in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. You see, again, you are not dealing with the issues at hand. You are now talking about your fathers, that they worshipped in this mountain. And then we too, where should we also worship? We have to get real and stop bringing all these unnecessary things that we throw so that the real encounter and the real issues cannot come up. Amen. Jesus said, woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you know not. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. 
For the Father seeketh such. So it's not enough to just worship the Father. It is necessary to worship him in spirit and in truth because our spirit man is a real us. So the corporate worship, when you come to church, you lift your hands, but in your closet, you have no encounter with God. That's the problem with the body of Christ. Quiet time, we don't even know what it is, first of all. We don't know what quiet time is. And when you preach about quiet time, you'll be told that you are preaching tidbits or basics. But it is the foundation that helps us to build on top. Many Christians don't know the word. Somebody told me, he has had a prophetic word from a prophet. What is the prophet? The prophet said that uh, this girl is not the right person to marry. So, I should just sleep with her and leave her. I should just sleep with her and leave her. And I said, but what does the Bible say? He had not thought about it. So by that time, he has left the girl. He has done what the prophet said. And he told me, I just sat up. I said, what? So he said, oh, this one is not the right person. The body of Christ now exalts the word of men above the word of God. Why? Because we don't have any personal encounter with God. It's not part of our lives. We don't study the word. Even Paul, when he preached, he said, the people in Berea, they were more noble than the people in Thessalonica. Why? Because they said the scriptures daily to see if those things were so. Now when you preach, there's no searching of any scripture. We just swallow hook, line, and sinker. Because where real encounters begin are personal. And it's one-on-one with God, like this woman at the well. But we have lost it as a body of Christ. You never study the Bible on your own. Even if you listen to a message, you will never open your Bible, underline. Meanwhile, the Bible has told us that this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate upon it once in a month. Once in a year, bi-annually, day and night. Why? That thou mayest make thy way prosperous. And thou shalt have good success. We are looking for prosperity, but in all the wrong places. But meditation on his word alone can make you prosperous. Divine encounters often begin with personal encounters. Amen. I'm running to the finishing line. Pray that after this meeting, you will know God for yourself. One of my bishops told me, he met a girl he gave a lift to. And he asked the girl, so you are from this meeting. So if a man of God tells you that, marry a married man in your church, what will you do? Say, I will marry him because the man of God has said it. Our bishop in Takadu was telling me, I will marry him because a man of God has said it. What about God's word? Job said, I esteem your word more than my necessary food. Personal encounters, that is where the power is. Personal encounters, that's when God gets your attention. Personal encounters, that's when, because God's word is light, you don't hit your leg against things because light shines in darkness. It was one such personal encounter that showed me that I had the spirit of pride and I didn't even know it. Amen. Hmm. Well, we are running to the finish. God, they must worship him in spirit. The woman said, 
I know that when Messiah comes, he will tell us all things. I that speak unto thee am he. And then as they were having this conversation, Jesus has introduced himself personally to this woman. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Because according to worldly standards, he shouldn't pay attention to a woman, let alone a Samaritan woman. But God will break every protocol just to meet you. Amen, ladies. Now, when these people were saying, what seekest thou or why talkest thou with her? The woman was off already. Jesus had introduced himself. The woman then left her water pots and went her way into the city and saith to who? The men, her usual territory where she used to operate. That's where she went back to. Beloved, when you have an encounter with God, you don't stay the same. When you have an encounter with God, you are not forced to tell people about Jesus. When you have a true encounter with God, you are not forced to tell people that I now know him. The encounter will change you. I remember the last time Reverend Eastwood was in our church, he was saying that one of the surest signs that the Holy Ghost has come is that you become a witness. But we, all that we know that the Holy Ghost has come, that it will lift us up, it will promote us, it will turn us around, it will, all that is good. But the Holy Ghost comes principally to affect the kingdom of God. How come we don't even talk about God anymore? There's no burden for witnessing. There's nothing like that. So an encounter with God is not something to just make you happy. An encounter with God is for you to affect your environment, to affect your community, and to affect people around you. But there's nothing like that. Amen? And that is why most Christians are not fulfilled. You get this, you are still not fulfilled. You want this, you are still not fulfilled. In fact, the more you have, the more hunger you have. Why? Because Jesus said to the disciples that my meat, my meat is to do the work of him who called me and to finish it. Therefore, if you don't do God's work, there's no meat in your house. I'm sorry. My meat is to do the work of God or the will of God and finish it. So many of us are unfulfilled. We are looking for our marriages to fulfill us. We are looking for the man to be God to you. When he goes here, you say, why have you come at this time? When he goes here, because you don't have any meat in your house. But if you had meat, when he comes, you are also fulfilled. You are also happy. You also know about ministry. So you also even appreciate what he is doing. Amen? But there's no work. The woman left her pot, her self-help project. She left it. And she went and told the men, look, come see a man which told me all things that I ever did. A true encounter with God will change us. A true encounter with God will change our values. A true encounter with God will change even our character. The Bible says in Titus 2.11, the grace of God which brings salvation has appeared unto all men, teaching us the grace of God, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live godly, holy, and spiritual lives unto him. So when the grace of God comes, it will change you. It will change your desires. 
It will change the things you want. It will change the things that are precious to you. But we are the same as unbelievers. Because we have not had a real encounter. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly. Not in the world to come. In this present world. In this present world. Amen. So when this woman, she didn't need to have maturity classes. You see, so now as you have accepted Christ, and as you have come to see that this is he, you have to now do this. Just one encounter changed her. How come you have been the same uh, for 10 years? It's time to go out there and affect our communities as women. Amen. If we become just problem-oriented, the pot you brought, the water, and how you can't dig deep, and how he did it, we won't go anywhere to happen. But if we have a real encounter with Jesus and we say we have met him, things must change. And things will change. Amen. And the Bible says about her, she went and she brought the whole city. She brought, they went out of the city and came unto him. And Jesus began to teach them, to just talk to them. And the Bible says now, he stayed there for two days. And they did not just believe the woman's word, but they heard Jesus' words for themselves. In one day, she brought a whole city. An encounter with God is supposed to affect the kingdom of God. An encounter with God is supposed to affect our finances and the way we give and the things we cherish. You will go and buy human hair. Thousands of dollars. And when you come to the church, they give to something. You have not had an encounter. That's why you are the way you are. You have not had an encounter. Because if you knew what the kingdom of God is, and what it is doing, you will know that it has saved you and I from asylum. And because of that, your whole attitude to giving and everything will be something different. Amen. I pray that we will have a true encounter with God. And one of the ways of having a true encounter with God is to have a personal time with him like this woman. Nobody else was in sight. Just she and Jesus. You too, go back. Create an altar in your house. Whether it's in your kitchen, whether, excuse me, it's even in your toilet. Anywhere that will give you time to spend quality time with him is important. I say that maybe people are strong and they can handle all their things. But me, without my closet, I can't survive. Amen. And like Reverend Eastwood, when I am praying, my husband comes to tell me, Oh, God has heard you. It's okay. It's okay. Come, come. Let's drink tea. I've prayed for you. The same. But we must press on to encounter God for ourselves. God has scheduled and He's there, but you are not meeting the appointments. May there be real encounters with the Holy Spirit. God reveals Himself usually even to a person. That's why you see that even Saul of Tarsus, He just revealed Himself to Saul, although He was in a crowd. With Daniel, he revealed himself to Daniel. So personal relationships are important. And that's why Jesus said, you say to me, Lord, I did this in your name. I did that in your name. I don't know you. You are doing it, but you, as a personal person, I don't know you. So I came to say, personal encounters with God. 
the church of God must return also to that. And based on that, even in your closet and in your work, God will schedule many more encounters. God will appear to you in many ways. God will give many visions. He does. It's not just some dry word and then you are. But as you build on that personal thing, you will meet God in many sometimes unlikely places. And your life will affect other lives. God bless you. Stand to your feet. Every eye closed, every head bowed. When I was coming here, I wasn't sure even which direction to take, but the Holy Spirit kept saying, it's time for my people to return to basic quiet time. It's time for my people to return to basic quiet time. It may not be an electrifying message, but I have to obey God. I want you to pray and ask God to enrich your personal relationship with him, to cause his word. I want you to spend time in his presence. Study the word. Yourself approved, not unto men, but unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Pray to God that he will help you to, to, to come to a place of a personal encounter with him. To come to a place in your life where you constantly and habitually meet him through his word, through prayer, and also should reveal himself himself, but he will himself and not elsewhere. Pray that he will do time will be something that you do, that you will meditate on the word, that you will memorize scriptures. It's important. My God to of rededication we can be so busy busy about ministry but we don't know him says draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh to you I want you to ask God Father I want to draw near to you I want to spend special moments in your presence where I'll have encounters with the divine where I'll have encounters in your word where I'll have encounters that will lead me to your plans for me for the future and where I'll have encounters that will transform me and transform people the Lord, I will not have that Christianity that's just about me. But I will have a Christianity that affects your kingdom. Still, all my song 
closed every head bowed you are here you don't know Jesus as your savior yes you've come to the meeting but you are not serious with your walk with God you want to say lady reverend pray for me I'm not sure whether I'll go to heaven or hell when I die but I want to be sure you are like that here this afternoon forget about who is on your left who is on our right you can have an encounter with Jesus just lift up your hands wherever you are and I'll pray for you we are not here about big manism and big womanism we are here about being true to God I see your hands. If you've lifted up your hands, come forward. Give me the privilege of leading you to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, to the well that never runs dry. Come, come to Jesus. Come, come. Today is your day of encounter. Come, wherever you are. Come, come to Jesus. Come, come, come. Yeah. Bless you for coming forward. You want to say this prayer after me and mean it with all your heart. You want to say, Jesus, this afternoon I come to you. Please say it out. Jesus, this afternoon I come to you just as I am. Forgive me, for I am a sinner. Take my life and become the Lord of my life. Jesus, take my life and become my personal savior. Today, I invite you in. Today, I declare that you are Lord. Thank you for dying on the cross to save me from my sins. Thank you for rising from the dead so that I may be saved. And thank you for writing my name in the book of life because of this prayer. In Jesus' name. Amen. Happy birthday. It's the most important day in your life. May the Lord give you an encounter with him. May it begin many great encounters in your walk with him. And may the Lord use you for his purpose. In Jesus' name, Amen. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kanishi, or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.